Hope so. It says recording. Yeah, that must be right. I've got a message for you this morning. I, I hope you're going to enjoy it. Um, it's not all uh, sunshine and light, this message. Uh, but in the end, it is. So, uh, let's go. Do we want the power of God to be made perfect in us? We want this. We know of his power. We know the power of his spirit. And we want to receive more of his power so that we live the sort of life that he is calling us to live every day to grow in him and become stronger. To get this power, this is the bit you're not going to like, we have to come to a place where we can't cope See, if you can cope, you don't need this power. You understand? That makes sense, doesn't it? You, you just uh, bite off as much as you can chew, and you don't need any help. But to receive the power of God, he brings us to a place where we can't cope. We just can't cope with life anymore. It says in scripture that Paul received great revelation from the Lord. It says that he was taken actually into paradise, into heaven, into the very presence of God while he was still alive and with us. And he saw things that he would not share, he could not share. And he speaks about it in such a way that he doesn't boast about it was him or where he's been. He even talks in terms of, I knew a man who did this, who went into the presence of God, and it was him all the time. To counteract this going into the presence of God, there was a good reason. It was because, uh, because of this entering into his presence and seeing so much and realizing so much and understanding so much that something came into his life to counteract this. He calls it a thorn in the flesh that was given to him and Satan continually buffeted his life. So, would you like to go into the presence of God? Think about it carefully, because in going into his presence, there was this counteracting thing that came against him with tremendous power. And it says that he pleaded with God. He didn't just pray one day and ask God to do something about it. He said he pleaded with God again and again and again to remove this thing that was buffeting his life. I'm sure he was very grateful for the revelations he received, but he wasn't grateful for these buffetings that came upon him from Satan. He describes them as being tormented. Now, I want to draw a bit of a picture of Paul. I'm not preaching Paul to you this morning, I'm preaching Christ. But Paul is a great example to us. It was all too much for him. It was just all too much. 
And it says, when he cried to the Lord and asked the Lord to remove this thing from him, the Lord had a very straightforward answer. He said, no. He said, you're going to be continually buffeted by Satan. And that's just the end of it. Not too good, is it? I said it was a bit miserable, you know what I mean? It wasn't all rah, 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 victory, triumph all the way. Because the Bible isn't like that at all, really. And this is what he said to him. He said, no, I'm not going to remove this buffeting that you're experiencing. He said this, my grace is sufficient for you. The grace is what God comes and ministers unto us so we can cope with the stress and the difficulties in life. The grace of God. He said that my grace is sufficient for you for by for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's only in your weakness that the power of God is made perfect in you. Are you signing up for this this morning? Do you want the power of God manifested in your life? You don't sign up for the power you sign up for the weakness. And when, the, when you're going through the weakness, that's when you experience the power of God. If you don't go through those difficult times, like I said, there's no reason for the power at all to come. You can cope, as it were. I want to read that passage to you. Uh, it's quite a striking passage. It's found in 2 Corinthians and chapter 12. I'm going to re read from verses 7 to 10. I've given you the context of it. Paul says this, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then he goes on to say this, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Now preachers don't do that too often. Boasting in their weakness but only those who can boast in their weakness can speak of the power of God in their lives. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Have we taken this in? Yeah. We delight in our weakness, in our inability to win through, in our, in our inability to survive, to walk this life that he's called us to. I delight in weakness, he says. I delight in insults, in hardships, and in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. Wow. I will boast 
all the more in my weaknesses. I will delight in my weakness. We've got to come to a place, you see, where we embrace weakness and we actually delight in it. Knowing that in that place, the all-surpassing power of God starts to kick in. Until we're there, we won't know this power, this perfect power that comes from God. When Paul was converted, he, he appears to be a very successful young man, a very confident young man. Uh, he's, he's smart. Uh, some suggest, uh, Scripture doesn't say that, that he was a lawyer. He had a sharp mind. Uh, he speaks about himself. He says this. He says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. He was a smart boy. Without a shadow of a doubt, he was clever, he was committed, he was dedicated to the, the principles of God, the things of God. He was above his fellows. We read in scripture he studied under a very famous rabbi called Gamaliel. Obviously respected, had a fantastic name. He taught in Jerusalem and that's where he went to study. It's as though he left his hometown where he was and uh, he went into Jerusalem to study under this great rabbi. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, it tells us. Both his parents were Roman by birth, so that gave him status and importance within society and with others. As I said, he studied in Jerusalem. He spoke and wrote fluently in Greek and Hebrew. He was described as a Pharisee of Pharisees. That was him. God called this young man, it says in the scriptures, from his birth. God allowed him to go through this secular training, as it were, religious, yes, but, but sort of not really hungering after the things of God, very legalistic. And he, he sought this, and he was excellent in it, and the hand of God was upon him. But there came a time when God had to pull him from that, to pull him to Christ. Remember, he was resisting the Christian church. He was, had papers of authority uh, to take Christians and to throw them into prison, and in some cases to see them stoned to death. That was who Paul was. And God called him. Jesus himself spoke to him. Remember the challenge. He said, what do you think you're doing? I am the Lord, the very one that you're persecuting. I am the Lord. And we know that he was shocked, he was blinded, he was thrown down on the ground and then he had to be led uh, into Damascus uh, to meet a man who would come there and pray for him. The Lord would now start a transformation in his life. This self-assured, confident, intelligent, bright young man 
God, God allowed him to go through that for one reason, that he might have a sharp mind, a, a, an acute understanding of the things of God. He had trained him and brought him up in that. But now he had to work on him to bring him to a place where instead of standing in his own assurance and his own confidence, he would depend 100% on God. That's total weakness, you see. That's where he wants to take you. Into a place of total weakness. And it's only in that place where you can do nothing. And it's not just you give lip service to saying, I can do nothing. You literally can't cope. It's all too much for you. What he expects you to do all day is beyond your capabilities and all you can do is cry out to God. Cry out to God. That's, that's how we know the all-surpassing power of God in our lives. It's in this place of weakness not only that Paul will discover the power of God, but it's in that place where we discover this power of God. And to evade it, or to sidestep it, or to pull back from, from it, you will never experience the power that God wants you to know and to experience. God, individually, disciples each one of us he does just in the same way when Jesus called the disciples to him he discipled them on the earth just because he went back to heaven he sends the Holy Spirit as a representative but he personally undertakes your discipleship he has a program for you because you have to be conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ himself and he leaves nothing to chance do you think he trusts the church with the job of discipling you? He gives us some responsibilities, but he doesn't let that out of his hands. It is Jesus who is discipling you. And of course, as you yield to him and surrender your life to him and submit to him, he disciples you more and more. If you hold back and draw back, it's like a, a student saying, I'm not going to school today. If he says he's not going to school, no teaching takes place. But if he goes, and he submits, teaching happens. Teaching happens not because of the teacher, it happens because of the pupil. I'm here speaking, I don't know if you're listening, I presume you are, but if you're not, you see nothing is going on, nothing is happening. It isn't because of me, it's because of you that we move on in the things of God. God can't make you move on. He does everything possibly he can, but it takes you to desire to have that to happen so he has a program for your life he has books maybe that he wants you to read sermons he wants you to listen to friends he wants you to make acquaintances uh, meetings to go to christians to, to meet he's programmed it all it isn't by chance or accident every meeting you have every relationship every passage of your life he's trying to working it all the time bringing you bringing you to a place where he conforms you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. 
where more and more of his power is released into your life. I'm going to read to you Paul's program of discipleship. You have to go a uh, uh, chapter before. It's in 2 Corinthians and chapter 11. I'm going to read from verse 23. He says, are you a servant of Christ? I am more, he says. If you're a servant of Christ, he's asking, well, I'm more of a servant of Christ than you are. In other words, I'm really committed to this thing. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashings minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak? He said, yes, I feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn, just as like others sin. He said, I'm too burning at times to sin. What a discipleship program. Are you glad God didn't have the same one for you? <laughs> he was saying, no, Philip, no. that wasn't God's program for him. Of course it was. Everything that happens to you has God's eye upon it, yes? He doesn't take his eye off you, so whatever happens to you, it's, it's there, it's ordained, yes, yes. Just because you do some silly things sometimes um, and it all goes terribly wrong, God's still watching. But you see, Paul says, I'm not doing silly things. I'm walking in the steps of my master. And this, this is what has happened to me. No wonder he cried out to God, Lord, deliver me from this. I don't know about the, the buffeter from the enemy, his whole life looks to me like he was buffeted and bashed. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible liturgy of things, isn't it? It's, it's almost frightening when you read it. But you see, he knew the power of God in his life. Because of this, if we, if we miss every hardship and difficulty and, and dodge it and skirt out of the way of it, we don't need his power. 
we just need a quicker sidestep. That's all we need. No, no. He never looked for this stuff. And I don't. And neither must you. You mustn't look for this in your life. Don't do things that create the problem. But we've got to go through it, you see. Only going through it do we understand that power can be made perfect in us. After this, Paul was no longer full of self-confidence. He was no longer the successful young man that he was before. He was extremely successful, but not in the way he was before. He was successful now because of his weakness and the power of God could work through his life. The pressure he lived under taught him he would not survive unless he called on God. He realized he would not survive this unless God came and ministered power into his life. He could have died at any one of these. Flogged five times with 40 lashes, less one. Beaten with rods three times. He spent three days in the sea. Horrendous stuff happened to him. If we only live with the pressure that we can cope with, we will never know the power of God within us. He won't need to minister to us because we'll manage it on our own. Why, why did God do this to him? What was the reason? He had to bring him to a place where he was totally dependent on God. There was nothing of himself that he could draw on. He, God took him to places beyond what his natural ability could take care of. He couldn't, he had to just fully depend on the Lord. I said, this isn't the gospel of Paul, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I, I can do nothing unless I see my father doing it. Totally dependent on seeing what God was doing. He said, listen, I can't say anything unless I hear my father saying it. He said, I can do nothing of myself. See, Jesus, he was the forerunner. Paul saw something of this total dependence that Jesus had on his father. I can do nothing, he said. Sometimes we look at Jesus as this super saint who could do everything. No, no, he couldn't do anything. He could only do what his father showed him to do and what his father told him to do. He could do nothing. That's where God wants you, you see. He wants you in that same place. You can do nothing. You have no strength within, no natural ability. You can't do it. If you're going to do anything, you need the power of God in your life, working within you. We read that Jesus often went uh, and spent nights in prayer. 
I wonder what he was praying about. His prayer would have been different from Paul's, but similar. Paul is beseeching God, take this thing away from me. Stop this buffeting in my life. I can't cope with it. And maybe Jesus was praying a similar thing. Lord, this is so intense upon me. This, what you have given me to do, it doesn't, it doesn't stop for a minute. Thousands of people coming, people drawing on me. Lord, I haven't got the strength to do this. Will you minister your strength to me? Will you help me, Father? That I can survive this? What you have given me to do? Was he was crying out. He said he was like us. Tempted in all ways like us. He couldn't move without the pressure coming upon him. Constantly. And then people chasing him to kill him. To trap him. It was a difficult time in Christ's life. He was dependent on God's power. For God's power to be made perfect in us, we have to get to this place. We have to voluntarily go there. No one made Paul do that stuff. Like, you're not made to follow Jesus. Paul could have opted out any time he liked. We can opt out. We say, I'm finished with all that Christian stuff. It's too difficult for me. I can't cope with it. Paul could have said that. Perhaps Jesus could have said that. If he was a man like us. Because they never. They pushed on through. Just as God piled it on Paul. And he piled it on Jesus. He's going to pile it on us. He is. Why would he do it any differently? The scriptures are here to show us what God does. It might not be the volume of what we have to do, but perhaps, like Paul explains here, some of the hardships that he had to cope with that was beyond his ability to cope, and it would call on him to just look upon God to minister his grace again in his life. Can you hear Paul complaining about the situation? Somehow, maybe at first, <laughs> like we all complain at first. But when we're serious about the things of God, you see, we stop complaining. We realise this is it. I've discovered as I get older, in some ways it gets easier, but in other ways it gets more difficult. I've learned to cope with stuff, so he turns up the heat, so I can't cope with that. Then he turns it up again, and turns it up again, so the pressure is intensified all the time. And he says, if you're prepared to push on through, Phil, and come to the end, I'm prepared to keep turning the heat on and put the pressure on you more so you know more of my power working through your life. See, 
if we love God, we won't throw the towel in and we won't take a step back. Sometimes the pressure, God wants to show us how much we really love him. So he turns up the heat of the pressure and when the pressure's on us, we jump out the way. We can't cope with any more of this. That's possibly a measure of our love for the Lord. That's it. When the pressure's on. <laughs> We're the sort who put our hand to the plough. And it doesn't matter what happens. We're not going to let go of the plough. It says if you let go of the plough... You're not rejected by the Lord. The Lord doesn't reject us. He says we're not fit for service in his kingdom. A big difference. He will never turn his back on us. But he expects us to keep going. Irrespective of the pressure that comes upon him. As you acknowledge that you can't cope and you cry out to God... His grace will come through to you. Just like he said to Paul, I'm not taking this tormentor off you, but my grace is sufficient in your life to carry you through. We pray and want God to deliver us all the time. He doesn't though, does he? He doesn't. He doesn't do that. He gives us the grace often to go through. But in, in that, you see how he's saving us. He's developing us. He's transforming us into the image of his son. He's being merciful and kind to you by allowing you to go through these things. Did everyone say praise the Lord then? No, no, I didn't hear that too loud. But then you don't say much, so maybe you said it under your breath. <coughs> you see, the longer you've been a Christian, the tougher it gets. It does. It does. If we're committed to what he wants to do in us and through us, it will. And as we cry to him, as we say, I'm not taking my hand off this. I'm going to keep moving. I'm committed to this. I'm going to see it through. I don't care what happens. Satan, you throw everything you want at me, but I'm committed to this. His grace is sufficient for you. You have to go through this yourself. And it's not that you learn this in a sermon. I'm just explaining to you what's going to happen. Okay? You, the only way you learn this is to go through it. That's, that's what it is. It's the school of hard knocks that teaches you most stuff. It isn't, it isn't what you listen to at the pulpit. This is just God saying, you need to think like this. Think like this man. And you'll pull through. I want to share something about my own personal uh, life and experience at this time. I'm not looking back to anything. I'm talking about something now. I want to say something, and it's not... I don't want you to take it as though I'm boasting. Like Paul says, I'm not boasting in these things. But this is what has happened. 
I'm boasting in my weakness like Paul did like Jesus did when Jesus said I can do nothing unless the father tells me what to do isn't he boasting in his weakness I can say nothing unless I hear the father saying it isn't he boasting in his weakness I stepped out of pastoral ministry some years ago now five years and uh, it's called retirement okay I don't know what that means. I haven't got an idea what retirement means. And so I, um, I do what I do. For me, the trials are going to come in who I am and what I do. You, you have a different life with different trials. I understand that. I'm a Bible teacher. So when I moved away from London, I didn't do any teaching. That was murder in itself. Because if you naturally should be doing something and you're not doing it, you're void in your life of something. And then teaching engagements came. My thought was they might come from Hastings where I'm living, but they never. I never preach in Hastings ever. I've preached once in five years in Hastings. They're in London. You think, Phil, perhaps you should have stayed and not gone. <laughs> well, I went and I went for good reasons and I understood that and, and that was all that. And then I started a Bible school, and I also conduct a Bible school in London. And every Sunday, I'm up in London, and I'm preaching somewhere. I have to prepare over 200 messages a year. That's four messages on average every week. Some week, it might be six messages. I might have a little break, and I might not do so many. I can't cope. You understand? <laughs> Maybe you're not a preacher, but you've tried to get a message together. It's hard work, yes? It's, it's a bit tricky. Um, and you think, well, it's all right, you do it all the time, Phil. Granted, so I've got the experience and practice. But four a week? Week after week after week after week without any let-up? And all the other stuff that happens in life all around me, I can't cope. I can't cope, you see. So I, I shift a few things out of my life so I can cope. I do what I can do. And it hurts me to step aside from ministries that I've been doing because I want to do them. But the pressure's on. It's on all the time. I cry out to God, God, help me, help me, help me. I can't cope. He says, Phil, we do this a day at a time. My grace is sufficient for you. When you have to stand in front of the people and share the word of God, I'll have got you there. We'll have done it. Gee, I can't cope. I can't cope. Naturally, I can't do it. It's too much for me. I can't do it. And that's where God wants me, you see. So that his power works through me. The power of God at work in my life. Whatever we're doing, whatever God has called us to, I pray that you will come to a place 
where you can't cope. It's too much for you. It's too difficult for you. And what it'll do, it'll call you to call on the Lord. And he will send his power, his grace, to minister to you. His power working through you. I knew I was coming here to speak this week. And so I think, oh Lord, you'll give me something to say this week. Um, but he never. He never gave me a thing. Although, I did have an idea earlier in the week about something. So, I sat down yesterday. You think, you left it a bit late, Phil. <laughs> well, maybe, okay. But if you've preached four or five times this week already, okay. So I'm working through stuff. And Daffy says, have you got something yet? And I go, no. See, I know. I know when I have something. I know when I have something. Now, you might think I've just got a, a box full of sermons that I pull one out and just chuck it at you. And say, no, 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 no. That would be too easy, you see. It doesn't work like that. So I was sitting with Daphne, and, I think, and eventually, about 10 o'clock, I went in my own little room there, and I sat. And I said, well, here we are. Here we are, God. I need you. I can't do this. And this happens every week of my life. I can't do this, Lord. And then by half past 12, last night, I've got one. You say, what you got? I've got this. Now, if you didn't think much of it, it doesn't matter. Because that's what I've got. So that's what you've got. Now, I believe this, this is the word of the Lord to you. Well, what else am I supposed to think? Do you think I just dreamt all that up out of my own head? Not possible. God knows exactly where you're at. He knows what you need to hear. I'm here saying, you've got to help me do this because this is beyond me. I can't do this. And God says, give them this. So I was up at 6 o'clock this morning. The trains were all cancelled, so I couldn't catch a train here and I had to drive in the end and all that stuff. Daffy said to me this morning, did you get something? And I said, yeah, of course. No, I didn't get anything. He gave me something. See, we're dependent on God. I will live like this for the rest of my life. I will. I don't want to stop preaching the word of God. It's what I do, you understand. You have other callings and other things that you will do that you, God will take you through stuff where you need to call upon His grace to survive. And that's what God wants you to do. That His power is made perfect in our lives when we can't cope with life day after day after day after day. Will we ever get used to it? It doesn't seem that Paul got used to it. He says, um, beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern 
for all the churches. See, the pressure never let up. But we need to get ourselves into a place where we experience the pressure of God and it'll never give up. And in that place, we will know the perfect power of God working through us. Do you want me to pray for you now? Or do you think that's too dangerous? <laughs> Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, oh, it seems so cruel that you're doing such a thing to your children to put us under such pressure. And yet, Father, we know you're doing it for our good because you want to manifest your power in our lives. And so we, we don't pull back. We don't shy away from this. We don't duck it. We don't, we don't offload. We don't say, I can't do any more. We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're here for you. We love you. We can't step away from the responsibility that you've placed on our lives. But we know that you will fill us with your power, with your grace. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.